Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 51 verse 2. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. The divine call of God to his mighty men is usually a personal call. The father of faith was called alone. The meekest man on the face of the earth, Moses, the servant of God, was called alone at the backside of the desert at the mountain of God in Horeb. David, the psalmist of Israel, was called alone. Elijah, the servant of Elijah, was called alone. Jeremiah, was called alone and ordained in his mother's womb. Friends, God's mighty men must understand the mystery and divine blessedness of staying power, staying power, and to truly stay in the fullness of the will and purpose of God, you must operate in the two dimensions of staying power. The first dimension of staying power in this context is the power to stay alone in the will of God. The power to stay alone in the will of God. The second dimension is the power to stay with the right godly company also in the will of God. So let's look at the first one. Power to stay alone in the will of God. It is impossible for you to fulfill the divine purpose of God without operating in the power to stay alone in the will of God. One common answer I get when I query believers about certain convictions, patterns or ways of their living that is contrary to scripture is that everybody is doing it. Everybody is doing it. When I raise serious issues with a brother seeking for ways to divorce his wife for no reason at all, he comes up with a long list of pastors, particularly pastors in America, pastors in Africa, pastors in Europe, who have divorced their wives and the anointing upon their lives even multiplied since some of them married their secretaries and their secret lovers. When I challenge a sister about the attire of a harlot, she quickly flashes through her phone to show me pictures of amazing and powerful singers and worshippers, so to speak, on YouTube that are not as well covered as she is, even though they are half-naked. Convictions are no longer strong, personal convictions. Personal convictions based on scriptures are no longer strong. Men seem to have forgotten that the call to salvation, the call to do the will of God, the call to serve the Lord was a 
personal call. You stood alone to receive Christ into your heart the day you gave your life to Jesus. And you will ultimately require the staying power of God to stand alone on your convictions, on your godly convictions, and to live out your life to please the Lord in this perverse generation. Exodus 23.2 You shall not follow a crowd. You shall not follow the multitude to do evil. Seems no, seems not to be real, not to be real, nor mentioned among us these days. As a matter of fact, many gatherings of Christians, gatherings of believers are not any different from clubs, discos, and meetings unrelated to God. Daniel in Babylon stood alone. He stood alone against the princes of Babylon and his choice to stand alone in prayers to God got him into the lion's den. Yet, he stood alone. To stand alone in this context is to stand in the will of God even when it is contrary to popular opinion and general acceptance and approval of men. Yes, yes, yes. My wife and I were invited to a meeting with pastors in my city a couple of years ago. Some big apostles and prophets, reverend doctors and evangelists were there. They were present. But there was an unsettling burden in my heart. I could not accord with all that was going on in the room. Something was not right. Something was strange. The Spirit of God highlighted one of the so-called senior apostles in the room and gave me some insights, some very quick sneak preview into his life while the meeting was ongoing. I was restless. I lost my joy. Everybody was happy at the end of the meeting. People were excited. But an intense burden of the Lord gripped my soul. The leaders and pastors lined up to take some beautiful pictures together after the meeting. But the Lord clearly instructed me not to join in. I sat alone. I sat alone. It was very odd. I felt awkward. My wife felt a bit awkward as well. But she knew. She knew that I was, I was, I was deeply under the very strong, mighty hand of the Lord. Multiple pictures were taken, excellent postures were made, but the Spirit of God would not permit me to be a part of it. And that was completely, completely contrary to my desire. I also wanted to take pictures. My flesh desired it. But the Spirit of God forbade me. Few days later, my wife came to me screaming, almost in tears, to inform me that one of the senior and vocal apostles, the one the Lord highlighted to me particularly, who was very, very, very outstanding in the picture, was exposed for his unrepentant involvement in a highly immoral and despicable sexual scandal in the city. Oh, she looked at me and she said, Timmy, you are something else. Friends, 
I knew nothing about this man. I think I saw him for the first time ever in my life. But the signals of the spirit I received restrained me, restrained me from identifying with the man and his team even in pictures, even in photography. Your desire to please people, your desire to die and flow, your desire to be a part of the happening clique in your city, in your class, in your, in, in your neighborhood. Your desire to be one of the hit men around or ladies. To be in the good books of others has the potential to severely damage. Damage your intimacy, your relationship and your stand for the Lord. Jeremiah, the prophet of God in Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 17 says, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers. No, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone. Why? Because of your hand. For you have filled me with indignation. I did not. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers. Nor did I rejoice. I sat alone. Jeremiah sat alone alone with God. He avoided the assembly of the mockers. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. The assembly was an assembly. A company of people gathered together. But when Jeremiah discovered that this assembly was filled with mockers, he chose to sit alone. The hand of the Lord would not permit him to sit with them. Are there no mockers in the church today? Are our assemblies not filled with men, women who mock the gospel. Of course, they are professional mockers. They will mock him again and again. But he cared less. Jeremiah cared less because he was sustained by the hand of the Lord. Sustained by the same power of the Spirit to sit alone. The power to stay alone. The power to stay alone. Don't be a busybody. Learn. Learn to stay alone. Learn to study to be quiet and to mind your business so that you can hear clearly from the Lord. Power to stay alone is one of the greatest dimensions of power you must operate in as a child of God. God is looking for men. God is looking for women who can stay alone in His presence. In his presence, many have thrown their treasures away because of popular opinion and public demand. Some have disregarded their own blessings, their gifts, and their talents. Some have even abused and made merchandise of their heavenly gift because they lack the ability to stand on the instructions God gave to them that will sustain their gifts sustain their gifts. A pastor would collect four offerings in one service because that is the common happening in all the churches and parishes around them. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with collecting ten offerings in one service if that is what God asks you to do. What has God called you to do? No, I mean you. You. What has God called you to do? What pattern did you receive from the Lord? How 
consistent have you stayed on that pattern? How faithful, how truly faithful are you with that pattern, that assignment, that vision, the mandate that God has given to you, even though it seems not to be producing the quick result you need? The quick result, quick result. Why are you forming alliance with men that have been rejected by God? Because you want to also have followership? You want to have the crowd? Where is thine staying power? Where is the power to stay alone until divine plans are divinely executed in your life? When will you focus, absolutely focus on what God asks you to do? In your city, in the church where you are right now, on your job, in your marriage, in your children, in your own life, in your career, in your business. When will you focus on what God asks you to do? Everybody is building a university because our robot built one. What if God asks you to build? wells of water in the rural areas of Colombia, of the Gambia, of Ivory Coast? What if the Lord asks you to build hospitals in the unrich rural villages of Cameroon, of Chad, of Central Africa, of Gabon, what if God sent you to Labarene, to places that are not known? What is the motivation of your current project? Who sent you to do what you are doing? Who sent you? Are you building yet another house? Because everyone in your cycle, in your cycle of influence, is doing that. You are crazy with the project. You are, as you are finishing one, you are building another, you are running after another, you are running after another. Because men in your cycle is a status thing to build. It's not bad to build. But is that what the Lord has called you to do? Are you trapped with what the world calls FOMO? The fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. Are you afraid? What are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Are you living the life of another? Are you under pressure to conform and be like other men when God has called you to a unique assignment? What damaged the reign and authority and kingdom of Saul was the fear of standing alone with God. That's what killed him. When Samuel the prophet challenged him in 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 11, look at his response. And Samuel said, 1 Samuel 13 11, What have you done? What have you done? What have you done, Saul? What have you done? I hear the voice of the Lord saying to me, My son, what have you done? But you've just built a wonderful, beautiful structure. And God is asking you, What have you done? What have you done? Who sent you? What is this? After sacrifice, after doing that which others should have done, 
the servant of the Lord, the prophet Samuel, came to Saul and said, What have you done? What a query. And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, it seems you were too late. And that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. It's not wrong to offer burnt offering. It's not wrong to serve the Lord. But it is wrong to do what God has commanded another to do. Saul could not stand alone. He felt compelled to do what God has not called him to do. Just to keep the people with him. Oh, oh. Samuel was pained. And in verse 13, the Bible says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. What have you done was the question. And after the explanation, the prophet of God said, You have done foolishly. Oh, what have you done to your marriage? What have you done into your calling? What have you done to your ministry? What have you done to your assignment? What have you done? What have you done? May you not, may I not be considered foolish after I've been compelled to do what has not been apportioned to me for me to do. What have you done? And Samuel said in verse 13, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. But he just sacrificed. He just sacrificed to the Lord. And yet the Lord said, You have done foolishly. Foolish sacrifice. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, now, your kingdom shall not continue. Judgment. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own earth. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Verse 15. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul, my God, my God. And Saul numbered the people present with him. About 600 men. Wow. Despite the heavy complications and consequences Saul brought upon his own life, he was more concerned about the number of people present with him than repenting before the Lord. I thought Saul would have followed Samuel to Gilgal, weeping along the way. I would have expected him to call for a fast and a solemn assembly. Oh no. Oh no. As soon as Samuel left for Gibeah of Benjamin, what did Saul do? Saul started counting the people present with him. <laughs> he started counting the people present with him. He had a congregation of 600 men. And that was more satisfying. That was more gratifying for him. He held on to 600 men who were mere onlookers 
onlookers in the matters of his destiny and he disregarded one prophet of God who had the power to terminate his kingdom and his ministry. Yes, yes, my friend, it's a game of numbers. Game of numbers. And in the game of numbers, 600 looks much better, much appealing, more satisfying than one. 600 men compared to one prophet. An amen from an assembly, a congregation of 600 mockers sounds more gratifying to a fleshly preacher than the hot tears of a consecrated man, of one consecrated man that has the attention of God. Saul lacked the power to stay alone, to stay alone. How many kingdoms, ministries, callings, and giftings have been destroyed because men and women lack the power to stay alone with God, to be patient, to wait for their time, to wait, to wait. Ministries have been birthed when God had not mandated it because the people, the people wanted it. The people demanded for it. I've seen pastors who separated and left the leadership that God placed over them. Why? Because uh, the members, the elders of the church came and they said that we should start. I should, they, they saw the hand of God upon me and they encouraged me to start and they were ready to finance it and God made provision for it. What a sad thing. The likes of Saul have filled our land. The likes of Saul have filled the church. They count on the people. They count on the people. They keep counting the people. And as a result, God cannot count on them. God cannot count on them. God cannot depend on them. Heaven cannot depend on them. If you cannot stand alone, my friend, you cannot stand apart. If you cannot stand on the promises of God and speak like Esther, if I perish, I perish, then you cannot prevail in the dimensions of the spiritual warfare we are currently, currently engaged with. Dearly beloved, power to become is great. Staying power is awesome. But what about your power to stand alone with God? Your salvation and redemption was accomplished because... Jesus, the Son of God, stood alone when all his 12 disciples were gone. He stood alone when all those he healed deserted him. He stood alone when those he fed mocked and jeered at him. He stood alone when the Pharisees and Sadducees accused him. He stood alone when earth rejected him. He stood alone. He stood alone. In Gethsemane, he stood alone. He died. He died standing, standing alone to accomplish the eternal purpose of God and to purchase the redemption of mankind with his blood. And now he has become the captain of our salvation. He is our Lord who is forever available to stand, to stand with those who stand alone with God, standing alone with God to accomplish the purpose of God. Friends, this morning I pray that you receive the power 
the anointing, the strength, the capacity to stand and stand alone in the will of God, in the purpose of God, in the counsel of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.